edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, we'll be previewing the NFC South and the NFC West for fantasy football in 2020. So just like last week, uh, we're going to be previewing two divisions, the NFC South and the NFC West. Uh, We previewed the NFC East and the NFC North last week. For fantasy, And we'll be talking about all of the fantasy-relevant players on each of the eight teams that we will be discussing today. Uh, we don't have any news for you guys today. Uh, it's been a slow news week in terms of fantasy, I would say. But I'm excited to be here today nonetheless. We'll get right into our previews in a moment. And Chris and I's fantasy draft is also in just seven days. So I think we'll be recording the next podcast after, like, um, just basically right after the draft, like the day of the mm-hmm. draft. We're recording this on Sunday, just a day before this podcast drops. And uh, we'll be recording next week after the draft. So Chris and I are both really excited for the draft and to be here today. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's finally that time when the fantasy draft comes around once a year. It's like Christmas uh, Christmas morning the day on the day of fantasy draft uh, for fantasy football podcasters. And that's what's coming around. I'm excited. I'm ready to uh, get some good players and – beat Calvin. Oh, well, that the last thing, maybe you shouldn't be so excited because one of those is definitely not going to happen. That's for sure. Mm. And it's the okay, last we'll see. You hint. We'll see. Uh, no, we won't. Well, we'll see me win very, very soon. We'll see me win the draft and win all my fantasy games. Calvin, I, I've never been easy. like a full-on fantasy football, like news and everything. Me person, either. Like as a podcaster, this is my first year, like really going at it. And I'm just going to be insane. Yeah, this is our first year. I mean, I've always studied for fantasy, but not like this. Not like this year since we've started the podcast. I think Chris and I will – yeah, this is our, we're in the ideal league format, half-point PPR, mm-hmm. 12 teams, redraft, all of that. So the format is fixed. We're all on an even playing field, except Chris and I, who are a tier above the rest of the league, of course, obviously, mm-hmm. completely. And utterly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be fun to see us go at it in this uh, playing field where we both – this is our – should be both of our best years of fantasy unless mm-hmm. we get unlucky, which, I mean, the only way I'm going to lose is if I get unlucky. But we'll yeah, keep you guys updated. We'll keep you updated throughout the season. We'll actually share our teams probably on next week's episode, so uh, make sure to tune into that. But for now, we will get into our divisional previews, and we'll start with the NFC South. And uh, the first team that we're going to talk about from the NFC South is the New Orleans Saints, who are a very, very good team for fantasy. You can make the argument they're they're basically one of the best in the league. High-powered offense, powered by Drew Brees in the passing game, throwing to Michael Thomas, the all-time receptions leader in a season, and Emmanuel Mm -hmm. Sanders, who's a nice veteran. Jared Cook also is a good red zone threat at tight end. And then you've got Alvin Kamara powering this running game. and. Mm -hmm. Is if that Latavius Murray is also there taking some touches, and if that wasn't enough, you've got this gadget player Taysom Hill, who's so athletic he can play quarterback, mm-hmm. running back, wide receiver, or tight end, and just produce and put up numbers. This is a great offense for fantasy. Yeah, it's all around everything here. It checks off all the boxes. You've got a good QB, you've got two solid running backs, two solid receivers, a good tight end, and a, a solid gadget player, like you said, Calvin. So. I mean, this offense is one that is very good for NFL and for fantasy purposes. Yeah, it's undoubtedly one of the best offenses for fantasy in the league. And um, we'll get started talking about them with Drew Brees, who's the quarterback of the team. He's my QB7 in my rankings. I think Chris has him at QB7 as well. And while yeah. Drew Brees is getting up in age, we, you, should, you could argue that this might be the best offense he's had around him especially with the coaching Sean Payton their head coach is a fantastic Mm -hmm. coach a good great guy in in terms of making schemes work and being creative 
Um, yeah. So Drew Brees, I feel like he's got the, maybe the best offensive support of his career, and he could be a mid-tier QB1 next year. Mm-hmm, definitely. I mean, he's going kind of later than I would expect him in most drafts. The one thing that's keeping him up there is name recognition, but you take someone like Aaron Rodgers who has a ton of name recognition. Mm-hmm. That is making him go too high. At the moment, Drew Brees is even better than like some people realize he is because they think that – I feel like they're almost thinking that he's getting older and he's going to be in that tier of like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, but he's really a, a tier ahead in my opinion. I think that he has so much more potential next year and he has the best offense – one of the best offenses in the entire league. So watch out for him. Yeah, he had a historically good run during the fantasy playoffs last season. I mean, he's like we said, he's got a great supporting cast this year. He is getting up in age, and he's a little bit inconsistent, especially in outdoor road games where he's nef- ne- not nefarious, notorious for playing subpar in, in fantasy. But he should be able to overcome all that. And if we, if, we, if we can see those games where he just explodes last year in fantasy, that'll make up for it. Um, mm-hmm, maybe a definitely. bit inconsistent for a QB one, but he makes up for it with those games where he just gets 40. So QB seven for me, probably a tier down from the tier of Prescott, Wilson, Murray, and Watson. That is three through six. Yeah. And after Drew Brees came back from that thumb injury that he had a uh, mid season, he was on fire. I mean, he was averaging well over 20 points a game. So if he can return to that form and play the way that we know he can play, I mean, he is a great quarterback for one of the best offenses in the league then he definitely will finish as, I think, QB7 and above. Yeah, I would say maybe QB7 and below for me, but probably QB7. mm -hmm. So there's kind of a tier for me. I'm pretty sure I have Josh Allen at number eight, where it's like one through through, uh, five, I'd say, right? So it's – you've got – who is it? I think Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are in their own tier at the top, one, two. For me, it's the tiers kind of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And then in tier two, it's Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray – Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. So I guess it's a one, it's two, it's three through six is that next tier of guys. And then Drew Brees kind of doesn't really fit into a tier in my opinion. I feel like once you get eight and beyond, he's not there, but six and up he there, I don't feel like he fits in there. So he's kind of a nice little gap. I'd say I'd put him more closer to that three through six tier, but uh, I don't think he really fits in either just because he's kind of a, a buffer in between those two types of quarterbacks that you could get. Yeah, I mean, actually, I'm thinking about it. That's actually a good thing that we should add to our website, sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. We should add QBT or tiers for all positions, not just quarterback. Mm-hmm. We should yeah. add tiers. Like, that's really helpful for drafts because a lot of the time, I mean, the overall rankings can be like that. But, like, you want to know which guys are close. I mean, I guess we have overall rankings, so it doesn't really matter. But, like, still, it's, it's a fun thing to think about. Like, my tiers would be Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, one and two. Then you see Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Deshaun Watson are in the tier three through six, tier two. Tier three is comprised of Breeze and Josh Allen, seven and eight. Then uh, tier four for me would be Carson Wentz, uh, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, and I haven't decided what tier Ryan Tannehill's in. He probably is in a tier of his own, or maybe he sneaks into – I'd say he sneaks into that tier. And then those are my top four. That's all where all my starters mm-hmm. go So yeah. and for fantasy football. So – yeah, again, Drew Brees, just a mid-tier QB1, solid guy that you can rely on, but we'll move on to his running back, or two, both of his running backs, Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. 
And Kamar's an interesting player last year. He was playing through an injury, and he sort of showed also last year that with the limited touches that come with his role, like he doesn't get the most rushes, that sometimes you can have those seasons where you don't score that many touchdowns. He was not scoring touchdowns at all last season until the very end. And um, Latavius Murray was taking some. Taysom Hill was taking some. Michael Thomas was like uh, devouring targets, obviously, because he's Michael Thomas. And so because of all that, I have Kamara's RB8. But if we're talking RB tiers, I think McCaff- uh, the top two for me, are like the top two, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley are in their own tier. And then sort of honestly, three through nine, and maybe even three through 10 with Miles Sanders are all in their own tier. And Kamara's at eight. But he's in tier two for me. Where do you have him, Chris? Yeah, uh, for me, I think Kar- Kamara is an interesting player because we didn't really get to see like what he's really gonna look like just because he was injured. So it's tough to predict. But right now, I'm pretty low on Kamara. I just don't think that uh, he has the most potential with Latavius Murray kind of taking away from his touches in the run game. And uh, Latavius Murray did really well last year, too. Latavius Murray showed that he can still be a really solid guy for the uh, Saints. So I think that that could be a problem with Murray eating into Kamara's workload. But at the moment, I have Kamara at number eight. I think I might actually move him up a little bit. I'm not exactly quite sure right now, just because of his ability in PPR. And uh, I have a guy like Austin Eckler at seven, who I think I'm going to move him ahead of uh, Eckler just because I feel like Eckler does have a ton of potential, but uh, I feel like it's going to be tough to continue exactly what he did last year. Yeah, I mean, for me, Eckler is a guy I was high on earlier in the offseason. I sort of bumped him down. I think he's outside of my RB1 tier. I have him at 14. Um, But for Kamara, I mean, I've got McCaffrey. It's not that I don't like Kamara. It's just that he has those limited touches, and there are seven guys who I think will get more touches and are equally as good with the same amount of touches, basically, or better. Yeah. You've got McCaffrey at one, Barkley at two. Then you've got Ezekiel Elliott at number three. Next is Derrick Henry, who is number four in half point PPR, mm-hmm. points per reception, because he was actually like fantasies. Oh, I'm trying to remember. He was ahead of Ezekiel Elliott last year in half point PPR. I'm putting him behind because he got a bit lucky with this. I remember a random 75 yard reception touchdown he had, and um, he got a lot of carries, and he also got a bit lucky in the touchdown department. Mm-hmm. Although he is yeah. so dominant that he will score a lot of touchdowns. Then I've got Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, all guys who have a lot more potential, I feel like, than Kamara. So that's why I'm just going to put him at number eight. But it's I think he's going a little overvalued in drafts. But mm-hmm. it's not like he's my yeah. nine over, he's my number nine overall player, so he's not falling out of the first round or anything. Yeah, I agree. I, have, I, I think that Kamara definitely has potential to do really well. I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to capitalize on that because, because we saw him struggle with injuries. The injuries tend to be a problem for running backs, I'd say. So we don't know how that could impact him in the future. So I guess that places a little bit more injury risk. Kamara hasn't always been the most healthy player. I know he struggled with a few injuries. Nothing big. I mean, nothing that's really kept him out for extended periods of time. So hopefully it stays that way for him. Yeah, and then the other running back in that backfield, if honestly, yeah, if Lamar or not, if Lamar, if Kamara stays out of the injury risk, I don't know if I'm still. I think I'm still leaving him at number eight. I mean, it's not really because of the injury risk that I have him at number eight. Although mm-hmm. it is a valid point that sometimes running backs don't recover from those types of injuries completely and become the same player. Mm-hmm. But we'll go to the other running back in that backfield, who is Latavius Murray, and Chris likes Latavius Murray a lot more than I do, just because. I mean, I don't really see 
Alvin Kamara, he hasn't, he had that injury last year, but I feel like he hasn't been the biggest risk guy ever. So I feel, I don't see a path to consistent touches for him. Yes. Latavius Murray will have a couple games where he gets a good amount of touches, but because he's never going to really be locked into that starting role. I have him at RB 45. He's one of my top handcuffs, but I've got a few guys ahead of him, like Alexander Madison. Yeah. I have uh, Latavius Murray at number 36, just because I think that even without that handcuff uh, role that he could play if Kamar gets injured, he's still going to put up solid enough fantasy numbers where he's still a good guy to, uh, have on your team. So I really like that in a handcuff that I know I can draft knowing, Hey, I mean, if Kamar does get injured, he's going to do insanely well, but even if he doesn't, I can still maybe throw him in, in a bye week especially if, uh, if, if it's a good match. And I feel like the saints are going to be wanting to run the ball or maybe even just against a bad team where I know they're not going to want to throw Kamar out there every play, especially towards the beginning of the season when they don't know how he's going to recover from that knee injury. I like to have him on my team. Yeah. I mean, you have him. You have him higher than I do. I think that might just be because you think Kamara has more injury risk than I do. And also, I know you're really, you just really in general like Latavius Murray a lot next year, uh-huh. which is fair. I'm not saying it's not fair. It's just I'm, I'm not as high on Latavius Murray as you are. Uh-huh. But the wide receiving core is something really interesting to talk about. And I think Michael Thomas's status as the wide receiver one in New Orleans and the wide receiver o- o- one overall in fantasy in any format is pretty set in stone, but I'm interested to hear, Chris, where you have him in your overall rankings, because it's not, I have Michael Thomas as number six in my overall rankings, and it's not because I think he's like the sixth, he'll maybe, it's not, it's, it's not because I don't, he'll definitely pace the wide receivers in fantasy points, it's just because, especially this year, in a deep wide receiver class, with a lot of running backs who are elite, and then a huge drop-off, it's going to be tough to get running backs in your drafts. So that's why Thomas is at number six. In another year, he might be higher. But there's just five guys I like better, McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Henry, and Cook. And since running backs are so important, you just can't really put Thomas any higher than six, I feel like. But I want to hear where you have him, Chris. Yeah, this has been bugging me a lot. I mean, it's really competition here between Dalvin Cook and Michael Thomas. And one day I'll lean the way of Michael Thomas and I'll say, I mean, he can be such a big game changer. He scores so many points, especially in half EBR. If you're in full PPR, uh, Michael Thomas is the number five overall, I think. I think that that's, that's what yeah, it should be. But in half PPR, I'm just going to have to put Dalvin Cook slightly ahead just because the wide receiver class is so deep. I mean, you can find guys like – a lot of people are trying to avoid Keenan Allen this year, and I, I understand it because he struggled at times last year, and he has a new quarterback. But you shouldn't be avoiding him so much that he's going as – number 50 or number 60 overall that's putting him as like wide receiver 20 or or something like that's just way too low so there's so many other guys that you can find later in the draft you can get people like dj moore even mike evans has been dropping in multiple drafts that i've seen uh adam thielen Devonte parker jarvis landry there's so many more guys tyler so, boyd yeah even tyler boyd mm-hmm. i mean I'd, i'm not a huge fan of tyler boyd i'd let, rather have someone like jarvis landry or uh or someone like that but uh I just think that there's so many different guys that you can get at such great values and you can really line up your team to have so much depth at wide receiver. And one of them is going to work out. And so it's just too, you're, it feels like there's too much value later in the draft to take away Dalvin cook and like have Michael Thomas instead. Yeah. And full PPR though. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. And like, full PPR, Thomas is Thomas. an interest. It's, it's so hard to just not pick a running back in the first round for me, but in full PPR, I, wonder, I don't know where I'd rank Thomas. I'd probably rank him ahead of Derrick Henry at number five. 
Mm-hmm. And but Thomas versus Cook, that would be a really tough ranking. I'm glad we don't have to cover full PPR. We only cover we mainly cover half PPR. But our rankings can be just basically. Here's some advice that we probably should have given sooner. This is more for beginners. Uh, beginners maybe uh, who are wondering how can I use your rankings if I don't use your format. I mean, basically, first you can adjust our rankings based on like the league you play in. If you play in a full point PPR league. In general, as a rule, move up wide receivers a little bit. Move Just up pass. Pad. Don't go crazy, though. Not Yeah, don't go crazy, though. Because a lot of times people see the full PPR and go crazy. Like, move mm-hmm. them up a little bit. Move up pass-catching running backs. Move up guys who – move down guys like Derrick Henry who don't catch passes. In standard, it's kind of the opposite. In standard leagues with no points per reception, running backs are just insanely important. Like, if you don't go triple – if you don't go three-yard running backs in the first three rounds, it's kind oh, of – no. no. Don't say if you don't go three. I mean, what if you have someone like Michael Thomas? I mean, Michael Thomas is still a great player. Okay, okay. I mean, it's it's fair. It depends on your pick. But in general, you want to lean a little bit RB, a little bit more towards RB heavy, but don't be giving up great value just because of that. Yeah, but in standard leagues, move up Derrick Henry, maybe even ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. Move up other guys like him who don't catch a ton of passes. Move down guys like Austin Eckler and... Uh, who else? Well, don't move down Christian McCaffrey from number one. That that would not be a very smart move at all. But you know what I mean. Move down wide receivers. Make our running backs a priority. Don't don't fret if you have weak wide receivers because you can find guys on the waiver wire who are almost as good in standard mm-hmm. leagues. So that's yeah, basically definitely. the philosophy: standard versus half versus full. And we cover half mm-hmm. right in the middle. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that's it for Michael Thomas. We've got another wide receiver to cover here, and it's Emmanuel Sanders, who's a talented guy. And if he was the only guy besides Thomas that they were really throwing to in that offense, I feel like Sanders would be higher than I have him. But because of the lack of volume, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of volume for him. So I've met wide receiver 39. He could break out in a big way. And this is also partly this low ranking is because how partly because the wide receiver class is so deep this year. But Mm -hmm. Sanders is just – I can't really trust him to be anything until I see that he's going to get volume. Yeah, same. I I actually really agree with you. I think he's a a good high upside. He's a solid high upside pick Mm -hmm. in your – like I'm not saying don't draft him, but just be wary. And uh, don't forget about guys like Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray Mm -hmm. and Taysom Hill. And the reception leader in a single season, Michael Thomas, is about the biggest target hog you can have. Mm-hmm. So don't don't get too excited because he's in such a great offense because there are downsides to that. He's going to have a lot of people taking away from him. Uh, next is Jared Cook, I guess. Yeah, Jared end. Cook, the tight end. And uh, you have – Chris has him at number seven, I believe. I have him a little yeah, bit I really lower. Like, I really like Jared Cook next year. I think that the targets have been consistent over the years. We know what we're getting. And he is really high in red zone targets, which I love. And he catches a lot of them, too. He hasn't struggled with drops or anything like that. So he just ends up catching a lot of touchdowns. But sometimes you see guys that are fluky with touchdowns. Jared Cook isn't one of them. He gets a lot of touchdowns, but it's consistent because he's getting red zone targets. So don't worry too much about that. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between being fluky with touchdowns and, like Chris said, and, like, actually getting a lot of red zone targets. Maybe Jared Cook's touchdown total was a little high last year, but it wasn't as high as people think. Mm -hmm. Maybe a couple seasons ago when Eric Ebron had 13 touchdowns, that was a fluke because I don't think he was even getting a ton of red zone targets. Mm -hmm. Jared Cook gets thrown to in the red zone all the time, so that's why he frequently has games for two receptions for 36 yards and a touchdown, which is a solid tight end game. I had him last year. I was happy with it, and those touchdowns are going to propel him 
all the way up to number nine for me. So not as high as Chris has him, but he's a solid back end tight end one as a starter and maybe a risky week to week sort of play, but he will help you out in a big way in some weeks when he scores those two touchdowns in a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, most of his targets really come in the red zone. And the last guy we're going to talk about is the guy who's been classified now as officially a tight end, which makes him almost, I don't want to say it. Draftable. It's possible that Taysom Hill finishes in the top 24 of the position at tight end. I believe last year in half PPR, he was about tight end 16. That most of that is down, comes down to tight ends were getting hurt left and right last year. The tight end class was not deep at all. Mm-hmm. There was nobody. Yeah. Jason Witten was tight end 12. So you, it's fair to say that you're dropping Hill out of the top 24. Nobody's going to ever draft Taysom Hill. So you can mm-hmm. just leave him sitting on the waiver wire. I, don't, I think I don't have him in my rankings. But he's yeah, honestly pretty close because Will Disley, who's my number 24 guy, is a very risky high upside play, high upside draft pick. But Hill could be 20, like six, maybe 20. I maybe he might even be like my tight end 26. So he might not be that far off, but the main question, but I mean, I guess I'll ask you first, Chris, do you think he should be drafted next year? No, I, do, I just don't think so. I don't, I mean, this kind of segues into our, our question for the team, which is what will Taysom Hill's role in the offense be? I just feel like there's going to be a role and he's going to be a gadget guy. He's going to do some throws at QB, a few at running back, a few at one wide receiver and a few at tight end, but it's not going to be enough to maintain solid fantasy value. Yeah, it's just he's going to have games where he gets, like, zero. And then maybe he has a couple games where he puts up quarterback numbers because he throws for a touchdown and catches a, a touchdown. He's such a weird player for fantasy. I'm just going to say avoid him. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you that I'm, I'm not sh- going to be shocked if he gets in the top 24 at his position, Yeah, which is quote-unquote tight end. I mean, he's really positionless. He can play any position on offense mm-hmm. except offensive line. But – yeah, I mean, I guess his role in the offense mainly, though, will be as a gadget player who just gets a few touches everywhere that Sean Payton can sneak in and get some yards with. That's his role. Mm-hmm, definitely. So we'll move on to the Carolina Panthers, and we'll get started with their general info. I, this offense is clearly carried by Christian McCaffrey, but they're definitely getting a boost, though, Chris, in, uh, at quarterback and wide receiver. DJ Moore. Yeah, lots of new faces at uh... – as well, part of lots. that new team, they've they, they've got a new coach. They've got a new coach. They've got oh, a true, new true. uh. They've got a new quarterback. They have some new players on the defensive side of the ball. Luke Geekley's gone. There's a lot of change. I'd say that this is one of the most changing offenses in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It's one of the more changing teams in the league for sure. Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, is their new quarterback, who I believe is a back end draftable guy. We'll talk about him in a moment. DJ Moore's heading into his second season. And uh, I think this might really elevate the offense in a way it hasn't seen. And that way they won't have to rely on McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey quite as much to get yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping that, uh, that the passing game will be there a lot better. And that's what I'm betting on because I have TJ Moore really high. Yep. I mean, I don't have more as high as you do. I mean, but he's a definitely a wide receiver one. He's a solid player. I haven't met like, wide receiver 11. But yeah, basically, I think this offense should get elevated a little bit from these two guys. One Mm -hmm. of them who's new, one of them who's not. But basically, we'll start with Teddy Bridgewater, who I think he's got the weapons here. He doesn't, or he doesn't, I won't say he's got all the weapons. He's got 
Christian McCaffrey, who will take some pressure off and catch some passes, and then DJ Moore, like we just talked about. But mm-hmm. Bridgewater is talented enough. He was 5-0 and with the Saints, albeit a very talented Saints team. I have him at QB 23, so he's actually draftable for me. I think he's probably going to go undrafted in most leagues. So if you get him in the last round, that's a solid pick. I, I want him in more than the last round. I really like Teddy Bridgewater next year. He's a deep sleeper who you can just, just get in the last round as your final quarterback. Uh, I have him at number 20, so I have him as almost a mid-tier QB2 for me. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I just – I th- either way, I think we, we both would like it to get him in the last round. I mean, maybe not the last round, maybe not when all those kickers are going, but as quarterback 24 or 23, that's mm-hmm. a fine pick. It's a guy that, that, you, that you have his high upside for the first few weeks, and if he starts doing really well, then you keep him. And if not, you can just go ahead and just run us kind of a streaming – sort of thing with your second quarterback and just have if you need it you can just drop him and pick up another quarterback that's on the waiver wire so don't be scared to pick a back end QB2 because there are going to be so many guys that pop up on the waiver wire yeah I mean if you have a guy like Lamar Jackson because if say he drops a lot in your draft but Bridgewater's a good guy to get at the end is a bi-week fill-in mm-hmm. and you won't have to pay anything for him if, if you just don't really feel like picking anyone else you can get him he's solid yeah okay and, uh at running back the Carolina Panthers have Christian McCaffrey, who was an absolute beast in the running game and in the passing game. Number one pick in fantasy. I don't even know if there's that much to say. He is going to be amazing next year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Pet caught the most passes out of any running back last if year. You're, if you have the number one pick and you do not pick Christian McCaffrey, then that is just not a smart pick at all. You're basically signing up to lose your league if you – Well, no, no, no. I well, mean, no, not... you're, you're kind of giving away one of your biggest, biggest leeways into winning the league. With that first pick. Yeah, Brad, McCaffrey's just McCaffrey a tier above everyone else. Bar- Saquon Barkley's the only guy who could touch his production. Mm-hmm. But in half PPR especially, his passing game production is unrivaled. So yeah. you got to get McCaffrey with the number one mm-hmm. pick. Uh, DJ Moore, we sort of talked about. We'll touch on him again. And uh, then we'll move on to t- uh, tight end before we get to our big question. But DJ Moore, uh, I think Chris likes him more. Get it? DJ Moore. Chris mm-hmm. likes him more. But I, like I haven't more more DJ more more than mm, than more more Panthers wide receivers. I don't know. This went off the rails very very fast. <laughs> I, I I that did that didn't land. Well, I don't know what I was even trying to say. It's like I wasn't trying to say anything. I wasn't even trying to like. I wasn't. I was trying to like make a stupid pun that wasn't supposed to be <laughs> funny, but then it turned into me trying to make a joke that didn't land but like i wasn't trying to make a joke yeah, and then chris I, just stayed silent okay okay <laughs> dj moore have it wide receiver 11 he's gonna just get a ton of targets in the offense and we saw the production last year where he was a borderline top 10 wide receiver why are we doubting it this year there's no yeah. reason to yeah there's no reason to that i don't know why even with this in, with this change in a coaching staff i mean it's not like it's not like uh changing coaching staff and quarterback. It's not like Kyle Allen was great for him. I mean, Kyle Allen targeted him, but that's just because he's the best guy. Teddy Bridgewater is going to come in and he's going to throw to him sort of like he did to Michael Thomas. I think that DJ Moore is going to rack up the receptions and he's a really talented player too, which I love. So when you combine talent with workload, that is going to be great. And that's why I have DJ Moore as my number nine receiver. Or wait, no. Or you have him at number eight, right? Oops. Yeah. I was looking at the wrong rankings. I meant to say number eight. That sounded wrong right after it came off my lips. I was like, wait, I thought I had him at number eight. Yeah, I was looking at uh, our writer touchdown Kirk's rankings, but I do have him at number eight. Absolutely yeah. love DJ Moore next year. Yeah, so, I mean, 
well, I've just lost. Oh yeah, I remember what I was gonna say. The philosophy mainly for I get I guess the philosophy for DJ Moore breakout train people like Chris. And I mean, obviously, I still think he's gonna break out, but not in as big of a way. Like Chris thinks he's gonna improve mm-hmm. more from last year. It's just that Teddy Bridgewater is coming in. It's a, it's a fair philosophy because Kyle Allen was a terrible quarterback for them last yeah, year. Yeah, he was so inaccurate. Even if Bridgewater, Bridgewater's average, there's reason to think that there might be some improvement. I just don't know if DJ Moore's value hinges on the value of the quarterback a ton just because he got a ton of opportunity last year. But it's a mm-hmm. fair statement to say that Teddy Bridgewater will make him number – I guess I could I could see him going as high as number nine. I, I would not put him ahead of Gall- Kenny Galladay at number eight. Okay, that's fair enough. All right, so yeah, let's go to tight end. And Ian Thomas is the tight end over in Carolina. Um, and he, he's just kind of there. I have him as a borderline top 20 guy. He's not going to get a ton of targets, but he's the starting tight end there. And eventually he'll sneak in a touchdown or two. He's a guy to have as just a backup guy to fill a roster spot, basically. I have him at tight end 19. So just a bi-week fill-in. Nothing really more. He doesn't really have a ton of breakout potential, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that there's much potential for Thomas. I He's just a mid-tier tight end, too. He's going to be a guy that kind of, I think that there's maybe in the first few weeks, if he does something incredible, then you keep him. But other than that, you're going to be switching him out probably as the season goes on. Yeah, I would not draft him as your starter. He's a mm-hmm. backup. By week fill-in, if you're not getting one of those breakout backup tight end candidates. Do not think that Noah Fant, by the way, is a breakout backup tight end Do candidate. Not. Do not mm-hmm. draft Noah Fant. Just do on the do not draft list. We could actually make a do not draft list on the site too. Like, I mean, it, yeah. Noah Fant would be all over my do not draft list. I'd write his name like 50,000 times on it just to make absolutely sure that you don't draft him. Yeah, like Noah Fant, his workload was absolutely so bad. He was carried by just like one long reception for a touchdown. I mean, he did absolutely nothing other than that. Titans normally take over two years to develop into players that they maybe can be. So next year is not going to be no offense year. Do not go after him and be thinking that he can be your tight end one. That is the, one of the biggest mistakes I see in fantasy drafts. People ride the, the hype train for Noah Fant when they're it's really a one-way ticket to to a dead end. I don't really it's know. unbelievable. He had one game where he had 100 yards and two touchdowns last year. The workload mm-hmm. wasn't even there all season. Now when and they've added two yeah, wide receivers add in the so draft, many guys. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. Now you've got Melvin Gordon too in the running game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just where no is no f- there's no room for no fan who was already getting a small workload. I mean, it's a little bit more. It's more fair to say it before they made all their offseason moves. But I don't understand why everyone on the Noah Fant hype train hasn't dropped off because of all of these signings. It's absolutely uh-huh. ridiculous. There is no circumstance where you should draft him. The one mock draft where I drafted Noah Fant was because was when I accidentally exited the thing and it auto picked Noah Fant for me. And you can imagine how mad I was when the thing uh-huh. auto picked no auto picked Noah Fant as my starting tight end. Yeah, and I was bad. so mad. Mm-hmm. I think Fant, I have it like so 16. Don't fall into that trap. But it's a low 16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and I guess that'll bring us to our question for the Carolina Panthers, which is, will uh, anyone be a major receiving factor in the offense other than McCaffrey and DJ Moore? The answer is no. Curtis Samuel and Robbie yeah. Anderson are both guys who are around 150, just below one, just ahead of 150 in the overall rankings, I think, just outside of the top 60 of wide receivers. I mean, I have 66 wide receivers in my top 192 just mm-hmm. because after RB54, there's nobody I like. 
in at yeah. running back. So I replaced them with some wide receivers. These guys aren't going to do much, though. They're not a major factor. It's just McCaffrey and more. Yeah, yeah. Robbie Anderson has been so fluky, and he's just a deep threat, so I wouldn't count on him for getting too many targets. And then A Chris less Samuel, talented Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, Chris Samuel just hasn't really developed. I mean, if there is going to be someone that could take up some of the targets, it's going to be Chris Samuel just because he's the number two guy, and they don't really – Robbie Anderson is just a deep threat, so every team is going to have somewhat of a wide receiver, too. It's just not going to be a big enough role to – call it a major receiving factor as this question is worded yeah and i'll bring us to the falcon oh go ahead um yeah i just think that his curtis samuel he's not really he i don't think he was i I remember the stat where he was like the worst in the league last year Mm -hmm. in terms of like separation i believe it was wait i'm trying to remember what the stat was he's not that talented i mean it doesn't really matter what it is it just proves that he's i mean it kind of does but it just proves that he's not that talented and when you're drafting, make sure that you're not just drafting off situation because talent goes into it too. And sometimes people will forget that to be good in the NFL, you have to be a good player. So if they're not a good player, then they're not going to be in the good in the NFL. And that's the case with a lot of players that end up going too high, similar to Noah Fan, and same with Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I think it may have been yards after catch. I don't think he was that bad in actually creating separation. I'm just trying to look and see like where it was uh, – I think there was some stat. I'm trying to remember. But either way, he was not doing – the point is he wasn't getting that many targets, and he wasn't doing that much with the targets. So mm-hmm. um, I think he had 2.9 yards after the catch. So I think yeah, that may have good. been it. But um, you want to move on? Yeah, sounds good. Um, okay. So let's go to the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, we'll get to the, go to the general info. I mean, Chris, I think this is a pretty high-powered offense, though. They've got Matt Ryan at quarterback – Todd Gurley at running back, and then at wide receiver, you've got two great guys in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, not to mention Hayden Hurst, who is a nice breakout tight end candidate. Yeah, I really like this offense. There's a lot of new faces there. I mean, they've got Todd Gurley added. They have uh, Hayden Hurst, so there's a few guys. But uh, the core of their offense, which is Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, is still there. Maybe even you could include Calvin Ridley in that. Uh, I guess we can start with some analysis of Matt Ryan, but I think that He's going around the, the 12 area as a back-end QB1 or a high-end uh, QB2, in my opinion. I think that his receiving core keeps him up there. But he has he did struggle a little bit last year. I mean, a lot of people he was going as, like, number seven or a number eight. I ended up actually trading for him after I looked at his stats. I mean, in 2018, he was really good, had multiple 40-point games, very similar to uh, Drew Brees' output uh, in 2018 and even in 2019 towards the end of the season. So I – was very high on Matt Ryan, but he just didn't end up doing the same things. So it's, I feel like sometimes that Matt Ryan is going a little bit uh, overvalued. Uh, I mean, I won't say he's, I don't know. That's he's such a tough player. He's just mm-hmm. a back end QB one, a little bit inconsistent, maybe a little bit. On yeah. The, very inconsistent. I'd say. But I feel like he's going at about the right spot. Mm-hmm. Like I would be fine taking him as my quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think, there's not much we need to talk about with him. But the interesting guy here is at running back. And this is Todd Gurley, who we don't know if Todd Gurley can completely recover from his knee injury and they, he gets a full workload. He's going to be so good. Yeah, he will be so good. But those two things, we don't know if they're going to happen. I have him at RB17 just because of that. He's a exactly mid-tier RB2 right. with huge upside. It's like what, how we were talking about Todd Gurley last year, except we had him as a borderline like top 10 guy maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely hate Todd Gurley next year. I just, <laughs> I mean, I mean, not not hate, but like I, 
don't like his injury potential at all. I mean, it really scares me off because if I'm drafting him as a running back too, I have to know that he's going to stay healthy. And I just can't say that with Todd Gurley. So it's not really a player that I'm looking to get, especially because I feel like he's going a little bit overvalued because I think that people are playing off his injury risk. He's not that big. So I think that he's going at too high of an ADP for me. Yeah, I think also that leads into our next guy, who is a borderline top 50 guy because he has handcuff potential. Ito Smith, if Todd Gurley gets hurt, Ito Smith has the backfield, and that alone puts him at number 52 for me. Yeah, I guess I guess I didn't really think about that, but I feel like Ito Smith didn't really do that much, even when he was the when he was That's uh, true. starting. So it's not a guy I'm really interested in drafting. I think. I think I mean, that opportunity could alone fall off draft there. board, so maybe if you need one more running back and you and you want to take a late round flyer, but uh, not of too much interest to me. He doesn't have that much potential because he's just not that good. But like, mm-hmm. because he just he's an injury opportunity kind of handcuff, maybe. Yeah. That you might okay. Mm-hmm. And then here's where it gets interesting for the Falcons. They're wide receivers. We've got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Both of these guys are going to have huge fantasy seasons. I think uh, Julio Jones is consistently a top wide receiver in all fantasy formats just because he gets such a heavy workload. He's the number one guy. Matt Ryan loves to throw to him, and he's really good at what he does. Yeah, I mean, the wide receiver tiers, we'll get into tiers again. Michael Thomas is a tier above everyone else. And then two through seven is kind of the same tier. Maybe Kenny Galladay sneaks into it at number eight. But for now, for me, two through seven is tier two with, uh, I think, I have Tyreek Hill then DeAndre Hopkins, then Devontae Adams, then uh, got Chris Godwin at five. Then you've got Julio at six, and then Evans at seven. So Julio's a mid-tier wide receiver one, but he is light years ahead of Cooper Cup at number 12, I would say, just for his consistency, and Cooper Cup has a lot of injury risk. If Cooper Cup doesn't get hurt and he gets the workload from last year, he could be near Julio Jones, but I would much rather have Julio Jones than Cooper Cup, and yeah, I don't think that's a question. Have Cooper, I, I don't think Cooper Cup is close to Julio Jones in any way. Julio Jones is so consistent. He hasn't really ever struggled with injuries, at least ones that have kept him out of games for extended periods of time. And that's nothing like that is going to happen this year unless some crazy fluke. So don't expect that. There's not too much to worry about here. I mean, he kind of is like the Ezekiel Elliott of the wide receivers, I'd say. He might not be the top guy in the league, but he is going to be really consistent and he's going to be consistently good for your fantasy team and a guy that you're going to want to have. Yeah, he's at number six purely because he doesn't score a mm-hmm. lot of touchdowns, but his high yeah, receptions too. total is good for half PPR. He's a, he might finish higher than number six, and uh, mm-hmm. he could provide a value on people who are putting him there. Yeah, uh, then uh, Calvin Ridley is kind of a, a sleeper. He is the guy that seems to soak up all the touchdowns that, uh, that Julio's not getting. Julio's not getting, yeah. And that's why I have him at 23. He has so much value in the red zone, and – I think that that's just alone keeping him up there. I really like Calvin Ridley. Don't don't be afraid to reach a little bit, especially if you want a big boom guy that definitely has some chance to be really good. Yeah, I have Ridley at 18. I think that's not even as high as some people have him. I'm not going to be, like, overhyping Ridley. I don't think he's going to produce like Chris Godwin did last year. Is He's not exactly like Chris Godwin. He could be this year's breakout receiver, though. And I think he's got enough to be a mid-tier wide receiver, too. But – he could push top 15 if he gets a nice I, – I wouldn't be surprised to see him push top 15. I wouldn't be surprised to see him settle into his back-end wide receiver two role with not a ton of yards, but, like, a lot of touchdowns. He does get those red zone targets, which is huge. But I would take him as a nice mid-tier wide receiver two with high upside. And you're not yeah, going to get anything worse than 
borderline wide receiver two or wide receiver three production. I don't think, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think you're going to yeah. get anything worse than 24 or maybe 27 or something. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to get much worse than like 27. Uh, but I do think he has a lot of upside. There's just a lot of guys I like a little bit better. There's a lot of guys with some potential, but uh, maybe he'll end up moving up before the rankings get going. But at the moment, I have him at 23, or not before the rankings get going, the season gets going. Which that is around the corner. So before you guys draft, make sure to look at our most recent rankings. Yeah, I mean, I've got mine updated for uh, five days ago, but nothing's happened since, so it's it's fine. Chris actually, I believe, has his updated for today, um, if I'm right about that. So uh-huh. yeah, I think that this, it's good. You can go check it out, and uh, they are updated frequently. I usually, I mean, I haven't updated mine in five days. Like now that the season's around the corner, that's pretty rare. Like, like I said, the only reason is because nothing, literally nothing has happened in the news in terms of fantasy football. That's why we don't have uh, any news for you today. mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Tight end for the Falcons is Hayden Hurst. And I know you really like Hayden Hurst. I don't actually love him that much. I just don't know if there's enough room in that offense, especially if they develop a better run game. Yeah. Well, I'll say he's a t- back-end tight end one. And he's a lot of people's favorite breakout pick, and I'll say I'm on the hype train. He wasn't getting the targets with Mark Andrews over in uh, Baltimore, and maybe his talent is a little bit overhyped because there's a reason he wasn't getting the targets. But Mark Andrews is very talented. And so that's may- maybe why he was able to keep Hurst out of the role. Now that we saw Austin Hooper, who was the former tight end in Atlanta, producing like tight end one numbers until he got hurt. He was literally tight end one. If Hayden Hurst can come in and do anywhere close to that, he'll be a really solid guy. He's got top 10 upside. He's honestly got even top eight upside, but I'll put put him at tight end 11 because we haven't really seen him do anything yet. So he's Mm -hmm. a nice breakout pick to have as a back end tight end one if you're waiting at tight end. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead and draft him up. I mean, he has a ton of upside. So he's a guy that I like. Um, that I applaud anyone who picks because they're willing to take on that risk. And it does mean that you're going to have to be active on the waiver wire, though, in case something goes wrong, because he might not be the greatest guy. So you might have to dig through the waiver wire to find some guys to replace him on certain weeks, especially if you have him as your tight end one. Yeah, that's true. Um, but again, that's why I have him at number 11. He's a more risky tight end one, but he can mm-hmm. he'll de- he could pay off in a big way for you and yeah. get you like a nice gem. Mm-hmm. Um, the, another, we just kind of talked about this, but we didn't really go too in depth. It's about Calvin Ridley. Again, this is the big question for the Falcons. And I think we both agree that Calvin Ridley is going to break out this year. I, I, uh, I wouldn't say he's going to break out. I mean, oh, okay. I so describe it as a breakout. I'd say that he's going to, he has high upside, but I don't think you can just say how big is his breakout going to be when you don't know that he's going to break out, which I don't think that anyone knows for certain. I mean, well, Actually, they, like, I think it's, it's all but it's all but certain that Ridley's gonna pretty much. I mean, but a breakout can, is like way better than what they're ranked. So if everyone thinks that he's gonna break out, then you have him like eight breakout compared to last year, though. I mean, last I year mean, he, he last was, year was pretty good. I'll, I'll look at the rankings. I think he was a back end wide receiver too. But consider injuries too last year. So um, like in, injuries have a factor in those last year rankings so he would have been a few spots down if everyone knows healthy I, I wouldn't call it a breakout I don't think that's like the kind of breakout that I'm I, I feel like he's not going to break out a ton especially when you see what his ranking was last year he was actually pretty good I think he's going to stay in a similar area because he was the wide receiver too last year I mean Muhammad Sanu left mid-season from the Falcon or or actually I think he was gone for the entire year so they never or he might they might he might have been on there I'm not exactly sure but uh Muhammad Sanu wasn't there for most of the season. So 
uh, he was able to play that consistent wide receiver two role. So I don't see what's changing too much other than, I mean, a new running back, but I don't think that's going to have too much of an impact. Okay. I mean, yeah, it looks like Ridley was like 16th in points per game. If we discount Antonio Brown, he was 15th last year, but I mean, that's including all the injuries. So maybe you're right. Maybe he won't have the huge breakout. He will get a ton of targets and he'll, he'll probably be a, or not a ton of targets. He'll get a ton of touchdowns. He'll probably be about a mid tier wide receiver too, but with a lot of upside, don't get me wrong. It's also because this year's wide receivers are again, extremely deep. And there's a ton of guys who I think are going to be elite at the position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll go to Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, and their general info. Uh, they're sort of a team that should be pretty high-powered in fantasy next year. They've got two great wide receivers in Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin. They've got Tom Brady at quarterback. And Ronald Jones is looking like he'll be the starter over there finally in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. for certain. But, um, yeah, Brady should be about around its borderline top 10. And then they don't really have – anyone at tight or actually they have oh no never mind oops they have rob Gronkowski at tight end who we'll talk about in a moment but in general this is a pretty nice fantasy offense i would say mm-hmm. definitely i mean the specifically from wide receiver they've got a really good offense but then they also have sleeper running backs who i really like so i wouldn't discount any part of this buccaneers offense yeah i wouldn't either i mean they've got a lot of potential and we'll start with tom brady who I guess Tom Brady, in his old age, is not going to throw that many deep passes. Uh He's not going to put up the yards that Jameis Winston put up. But the weapons around him will make him a borderline top 10 guy, I would say. Yeah, and his accuracy. I think I have him at uh, 10, I'm pretty sure. So he's right there as a a borderline QB1, uh, back-end QB1, whatever you kind of consider that 10 spot as. But uh, I think that he definitely does have potential considering how accurate he is. And he is the GOAT, but I don't know if that – deep ball and arm strength are going to be as good as they have been in the past. I mean, I definitely don't think they will. So don't count on him being able to get a ton of deep touchdowns. It's going to be more playing very methodically, but he's going to get a lot of red zone looks because his team is so good and he is so good. Yeah. He's a borderline. He's again, number 10 for me. So back end QB one, a guy you can take as a quarterback if you're waiting on it. Name recognition in more less experienced drafts might vault him up ahead of 10. So be wary of that. Don't don't mm-hmm. reach on Tom Brady just because yeah. – and don't reach on Tom Brady if the quarterbacks are flying off the board. Like, don't – that's a lot of – a mistake that more experienced players make a lot. Even if quarterbacks are coming off the board way too early, still don't reach on one unless you literally have everything filled out and you really don't need anything else. But you mm-hmm. almost always do. You can always just stream quarterbacks, find the guys who will break out. And who cares if you don't have a good quarterback? You'll have a better rest of the team than these guys who took quarterbacks too early. So it's – you'll be fine. Just wait on quarterback basically no matter what. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's it for Brady. We've got running backs here that we're going to discuss. And uh, do you want to save Ronald Jones for later? Because he's sort of our big question. Sure. We'll uh, go to Keyshawn Vaughn, Vaughn, his backup. Keyshawn mm-hmm. Vaughn is RB44 for me. Ronald Jones is supposed to start. So, I mean, he won't chip in too much. But he's a solid handcuff. And he might end up splitting the role by the end of the year. I think he'll get a few carries in there, here and there. Yeah, I think that people are going to be surprised that Keyshawn Vaughn is going to get a role, especially in in half PPR and PPR. He's a guy that I like much more because I think that he could be a nice change of pace that catches some passes in the in the passing game as a as a pass pass catching RB. (laughs) Catches some passes in the passing game as a pass catching RB. I was trying to I was trying to I was thinking about something as I said that, so I just kept saying pass catching, but uh, I still haven't thought of it. Anyways, um, yeah, so he's gonna do well in half PPR just because he 
is going to get some receptions. There we go. Different word. Not not pass catches. I said receptions. You like that, Calvin? Yeah, I do. That's some that's some new vocabulary, right? Yeah, Chris didn't know what receptions meant until today, and I had to explain it to him. Calvin, don't make me look stupid. I guys, just, you know, <laughs> Calvin said that in a very voice in a good timing, and like a a very reasonable voice. I knew what receptions meant. Okay, don't worry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i was I, I don't know yeah I, that's the fun part like insulting chris and then people don't know whether i'm being sarcastic or not and then they're like oh maybe chris doesn't really really doesn't know what receptions mean <laughs> by the way he this he's actually lying he's he's clearly lying i i i mm-hmm. know i had to explain it to him today mm-hmm. yeah you you can't listen to any of our other podcasts and hear me say receptions a thousand times yeah well episode 26 downloads numbers dropped dramatically after this yeah uh let's see so yeah we uh, we talked about Vaughn is gonna be nice people are gonna be surprised like i said and i think that he could fit in as a nice rb3 rb4 okay he's more of a back end rb4 for me but he's a nice pass catching guy in the pass catching game (laughs) i have him as a rb3 so okay yeah he might be more of a she's gonna be more of a change of pace for me and i don't know if he has a ton of well, his ceil- his floor is just really low. His ceiling could be pretty good. He maybe maybe takes over. We we can't always trust the word of the coach in terms of if Ronald Jones is actually going to start this year. But we'll see what happens. So we'll go to wide receiver, and the the uh, the Buccaneers have got two top seven wide receivers. I've got Chris Godwin, one of them at number five, and Mike Evans at number seven. Mike Evans, I think, is the more talented guy, but because he's more of a deep threat and Brady, Tom Brady may not throw deep as much in his old age, he did not do so that much with the Patriots. I think Godwin will be more of the, the guy that Brady likes more in short, sort of the short to intermediate passing game. And Evans will still be good, but he will be at the back end of that tier two of wide receivers. Yeah, I think Evans is really talented. He's just a bit better he's just a bit more of a deep ball pass catcher compared to uh chris godwin so i think that like you said with tom brady's arm strength declining he's going to be looking more to play a strategic game i have godwin i'm pretty sure at number four yep number four so right in between Devontae adams and tyree kill and then i have evans sliding into the end of that second tier for me which is two through seven as my number seven guy yeah i think it's not like Evans's role is going to go away. He'll they'll still find ways to get him involved in the offense in the short to intermediate game, but he really just thrives on the deep ball. So it'll take a little bit of adjustment, and mm-hmm. that's why he's wide receiver seven. And he yeah. will de- his numbers will decline a little bit from last year probably. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we are going to move to tight end before we get to our big question and end this division. And their tight end, the tight end for the Buccaneers is Rob Gronkowski, and Chris and I are both way off Rob Gronkowski. I feel like especially in more in an in more in inexperienced leagues, he's going to get drafted way too early because people see the name. But Rob mm-hmm. Gronkowski's taking a year off of football. Even before he took a year off, he was on the decline. He wasn't playing. His numbers were yeah. going down. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of injury risk. He's got t- taken off some weight, which, I mean, could be a good thing, but it also could be a bad thing. I think even though be- because the tight end tight ends can be so – can lack depth so much, I think I have him – uh, I actually moved him down. I had him at number 10 at one point. I'm going to see where I have him right now, but I think... Ten is way he, too high for me. Yeah, I've got him actually at 13. So just outside of that tight end one tier, I really don't trust him next year. I would just pretty much avoid Rob Gronkowski, especially yeah, when I'm, there's a lot of sleepers. I am way avoiding Rob Gronkowski. I have him as my number 15 guy. So I think that that chemistry with Tom Brady is keeping him at 15. But other than that, there's nothing really to like about him for me. 
yeah, there's a lot of other breakout tight ends that are going lower than him that are better picks. So, like mm-hmm. Hayden Hurston, Mike Gesicki. And yeah. Mike Gesicki is my number 10 tight end. Austin Hooper, number 12, is probably going lower than Gronkowski, I think. Yeah, he is. Um, so, yeah, I, I just avoid Gronkowski this year. Mm-hmm. So our big question is about Ronald Jones, who we were going to save for now. And our, the question is, will Ronald Jones be an RB2 in fantasy this year? And I think he has the potential to be, to be an RB2. I have mm-hmm. an RB25, so literally just outside. So I will say no and stand by my ranking. But, I mean, if there are some injuries, he could climb up. If I mean, I have James Conner ahead of him. James Conner could very well get hurt. And, uh, yeah, I think Jones, he's definitely got the potential to be about a mid-tier RB2, but he's got a pretty low floor as well. So uh, what, do you, what do you think, Chris? I think I'm actually going to move – I'm actually going to say he is an RB2, and I'm going to move him ahead of James Conner. Yeah, I've been on the Ronald Jones train for a while now. I've, I'm basically like the captain of the train. I've been on it <laughs> literally since day one of this new season. I have loved Ronald Jones, and he's been a borderline RB2 the entire time for me. And now everyone seems to be trying to cram the train. I'm like, guys, I can't drive all of you. So I think that it, it, Ronald Jones is going <laughs> to be metaphor. really nice. I think that people are going to be surprised by his workload. I still think that uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is going to get some work. So I think that that's why I have uh, Jones at 27, which you might say is a little bit low. But uh, I think that definitely look for Ronald Jones to have a good year next year. And I am definitely comfortable with people taking him as a flex. Yeah, I'm actually going to keep Jones right where he is. I think, um, but yeah, he's, I'm comfortable with him as a flex too. I would say he's a decent flex. If you pair him with a wide receiver, that's probably better, I would say. But he can be, I think he can be a decent flex. So yeah, it's, it's, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, so you ready to move on now? Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the NFC West. So Chris, uh, we'll start with the 49ers. And this is a very run-heavy team, but I want to hear your analysis first, Chris, of like what, how you think this, these carries and targets are going to be split around on this team. Yeah, it's tough to figure it out. I mean, we haven't really seen like Raheem Mostert have a full year as the number one guy. Tevin Coleman is still going to get some work. They drafted Brandon Ayuk. But I think that Raheem Mostert is going to clear his way as the number one. I think that Tevin Coleman is going to fade as he did towards the end of the last season. I think it's going to continue. And I think that Debo Samuel is going to remain the wide receiver one, despite them drafting Brandon Ayuk a little bit higher than most teams uh, probably would have drafted him. But I think it was a good pick, nevertheless. And I think that he will serve as a nice compliment to Debo Samuel, who has been on a bit of a rise. I just, I feel like it's going to be closer than some people think with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And I feel like Debo Samuel isn't as talented as some people take him to be in, as some people totally expect him to break out. I'm like, no, I think that he's going to, continue sort of what he did which wasn't insane last year he had a good playoff run so that's throwing people a little bit too high in my opinion but I think that he's definitely going to get some work yeah I mean Debo I'm not going to say he's not talented because he really is he was just I think recency bias in the playoffs will get people to on the Mm -hmm. Debo train and they'll forget that he wasn't really getting that many targets at all last year and uh, he's more of a deep I guess he's Eh, well, he's not really more of a deep guy, I won't say. The rushing ability will help him a little bit, but he's more of a borderline top 30 player for me in, mm-hmm. in terms of a, not top 30 overall, but top 30 at the wide receiver position. And then Brandon Ayuk is number 60, basically, for me. So he's just right around that end of your draft kind of range. I have actually Debo at 28. So uh, that I'm just, I think I'll leave him right there. I think it's a solid ranking. 
Mm -hmm. I've met, I think, 35, so I have a little bit low than you, but lower than you. But I think that there is some potential there just because he's young. Okay. So, yeah, I, th I mean, there definitely is, for sure. It's just I don't think he'll capitalize in the way some people think he might. But, yeah, we'll, we'll save also tight end for later because tight end's part of our big question for the 49ers. But at quarterback, the 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a really low – he doesn't have any upside. He'll be QB 16 next year, and there's basically no doubt about it. I have him at, like, QB 24. I absolutely hate Jimmy Garoppolo. There's no upside there. Actually, I have him at QB 17, but – why he'll finish as a mid-tier QB too? He's just a nice, consistent guy to have. There's so many guys I like better. So many. Like who? Drew Locke. No, I don't know. Oh wait. Yeah, I, I hit Jimmy Garoppolo's not in my rankings anymore. I just realized. Oh my gosh! You're telling me Jimmy Garoppolo should go undrafted? Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo should not be drafted in any league. No way, Jared Goff. Do you have him in your rankings? Yes, I do. You think Jared Goff should be drafted and Jimmy Garoppolo should be not be drafted? Yes, because he has more weapons. But Jared Goff's bad. He After Sean McVay stopped scheming him plays, he just faltered under pressure and he absolutely wilted last season. Yeah, but Jimmy Garoppolo is in a, such a run-heavy offense, so even if he is more talented, the situation basically puts him at the level of Jared Goff. But now Jared Goff doesn't have to worry about, like, uh, I think, or Jared Goff has three running backs so they're going to be able to place a, a lot more change of pace because teams are going to have to be worrying about runs straight up the middle because they have talented rushers they're going to be able to get the ball outside secondary isn't going to be nearly as uh covered as it was last year and hopefully some they can improve their offensive line wait okay so what do you think is a good number per week for like a quarterback to score like 17 is that the magic number for a starting quarterback like if they score under 17 that's bad right for a starting quarterback? I'd say my bad is maybe is maybe 15. My good is 20. My okay is like 16 or 17. Okay, now I'll tell you that Jimmy Garoppolo was number QB 14 last year and averaged 16.27 fantasy points per week. Not a starter, but a backup. Yeah, and I just think that there's so many guys that I like better. I think that it, – it, I think Jared Goff. Especially with Raheem Mostert now becoming a clear guy. Kevin Coleman struggled last year at times. Raheem Mostert, now they have, now San Francisco, who they love to run a run heavy offense. They finally have a running back that's going to be able to do that for them. So they're not going to have to rely on the passing as much. And they're going to be able to do even better. I mean, there's just, I don't think that the 49ers need Jimmy Garoppolo to be good. And I don't think that he's going to be just because he's not going to be that involved i mean but he wasn't that involved last year and he was still qb14 so yeah, but he's going to be even less involved less involved yes he, how are they going to carry the ball more times in san francisco than they did last year because they have a better running back they have raheem moster who we who now they know is good i mean last year they were switching in and out tevin coleman struggled at times tevin coleman was injured at times they never had a clear definite guy that they could trust to run now they do well i mean you're telling me that so number one an NFL team rushing attempts per game. I, I like I like look this up. people like Joe Burrow better than him. Ben Roethlisberger. Sure, that's fair. That's uh, I don't like Roethlisberger better, but Burrow yes. Newton better. No. Teddy Bridgewater better. No. Baker Mayfield definitely better. No. Nope. Has so much more potential. Philip Rivers, who is uh, not even in my rankings. <laughs> Sleeper. Philip Rivers is a sleeper for me, I think. But we haven't had one of these. Definitely, definitely worth a late flyer. I think. We haven't had if one Teddy of these Bridgewater impassioned. Isn't there, if Teddy Bridgewater isn't there, 
grab Philip Rivers. He's going we haven't had any way undervalued. Impassioned debates in a while. This is fun. But NFL team rushing attempts per game. Number one is Baltimore with an astounding 36.8. Because Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram are getting carries every single game. So you, you expect that. Mm-hmm. Number two is San Francisco. 32.1 carries per game. And that's just going to grow. That's going to grow. It's not going to grow. How will if it, it grow? Is, Jimmy Garoppolo has no potential in the running game too as well. It doesn't matter. He's just a solid QB two. Number 17. I'm not saying he has potential. I'm not saying he's a starter. I'm just saying he deserves to be ranked. If I'm going to draft a QB two super late, I want someone with potential. And Jimmy Garoppolo has absolutely none of that. Well, if you're, you don't need to draft him, you should draft him as a mid-tier QB two, a guy as a bi-week fill-in. I'm not looking for from a bye week fill in if I especially if I can just stream some guys. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone that has potential. You're looking for your no QB potential. to go bust. You're looking for your QB to carry your week. You shouldn't be you should look for your QB to just get you sixteen point two six and then be like just be done and then you can have your running backs and your wide receivers do it and then it's like, hey, Jimmy G, not great. Not quite starting but level. I just don't trust but, the inconsistency. Sure. I mean, it's not like he was super consistent either. And he's not going to be super consistent because the workload isn't going to be consistent. It's going to be differing so much because they like to run. But if they're facing a bad secondary, he's going to get more. And then sometimes they'll just run the ball in the entire game, especially with a good defense. They're going to be up in a lot of games. So they're just going to want to run out the clock. There's no reason for them to be throwing a ton. And I'm just Jimmy saying Garoppolo the stats has never don't been a good lie. quarterback. I don't think this team is going to play much different than they did last year. And the stats don't lie. He was QB I think 14 they'll run even year. more. I think they'll run even with more. With injuries, people coming back, he'll be QB 17. Okay. So that's yes, your opinion. you agreed. Then uh, we it's, kind it's of already also discussed right. Raheem Mostert. He's going to be the guy that, that leads that San Francisco running back or running core. Yeah, I mean, I've got Tevin Coleman, his backup, at a borderline top 40 guy. I think Raheem Mostert, most of these games will have the uh, have the backfield. But in a few games, it's inevitable because Kyle Shanahan likes to ride with the mm-hmm. hot hand. Yeah. And so Tevin Coleman will get a couple of games where he gets the workhorse load. But Raheem Mostert's so talented in his yards per carry. He's been so efficient that he'll be a borderline top 20 guy for fantasy. I have him at number 20, so I think that's a fair spot. Mm-hmm. I can definitely get on to that. I, I, I agree. I Wait, do I not? I have Tevin Coleman maybe a little low. I didn't really think about that. I kind of forgot that, uh, that how Kyle Shanahan likes to give the ball to different people, so maybe I'll move him up. I'll actually probably will move him up. I didn't really think about it from that perspective. But, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you that he can be borderline top 40. Then at the or, wide well, for most year, and more and most year it's like borderline top twenty. So and we talked about Debo Samuel and Brian, Brandon Ayuk. So let's go to our big question. Yeah, and the big we're, question we're finishing is, each other's sentences is: Will George Kittle recover from his shoulder injury? So he dealt with shoulder injuries last year, and the scary part is he did not get surgery. So there's a chance for re-injury here. I say no. I say he'll completely recover and be the tight. end I say one. there's a chance. There's a reason That's why he he's did... not tight end one. If if why would he just be a moron and not get surgery when he needed it? Like, he probably didn't need surgery. I know, but, I mean, he also probably didn't want to miss the first part of the season after having shoulder surgery. He's not going to be like, oh, I have a broken shoulder. I'm not going to get surgery so that I can play in the first part of the season. Like, he'll, he'll get, he would get surgery if he needed it. Sometimes surgery is not always the answer. I know, but sometimes shoulder injuries, especially when they don't get surgery, can come back to bite you. So okay, well, sometimes. But I, not, I still, I'm not saying I don't like him, but I, I I agree with you, Calvin. I just think there's a little bit more injury. Risk. He's a beast, though. He played through it yeah, last year. He'll beast. play through it again. <laughs> yeah, 
I think he's tight end one. I have him ahead of Kelsey. Just I, have, I have him as tight end two. Just because they, they averaged exactly the same amount of points per game in half PPR. Kittle has more potential. He was a bit unlucky in the touchdown department last year. So give me him as tight end one. Kelsey's also getting older and Kittle's more in his prime. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Seattle, the Seahawks. And this is a nice offense for fantasy. They've got a nice rushing quarterback of Russell Wilson. Chris Carson's a consistent running back. That's a little underrated. And then Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are two awesome deep threats. So I like this offense for fantasy and Chris, I assume you do too. I mean, all four definitely. of the offenses in this division are good for fantasy. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, Russell Wilson is going to have another great year. Chris Carson, I really love is a consistent guy. Carlos Hyde maybe has a chance to get a few workloads. I don't – you have Rashad Penny on here as a question mark, Calvin, but like him. I, I, or I mean, not like him, don't like him. I think that he fairly falls off. Maybe a chance to be fantasy relevant, but not really. And there's just a lot of other guys that I think have potential. Yeah, so we'll talk about running back in a moment, but let's get started with Russell Wilson, who for both Chris and I is a top four quarterback. Mm-hmm. I have him at number four because Dak Prescott, I think, has more potential. He's got more weapons. He's got – the rushing ability and not as much rushing ability, but I think Wilson's a nice consistent guy who sometimes gets underrated. Like guys like mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson and yeah. Tyler Murray are frequently ranked ahead of him. So he falls as QB six when he can really be QB four. He's a nice guy to get early in the seventh round. I would say. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, he's my favorite guy. I think it's really close. So Calvin and I could both agree that Dak Prescott and uh, Russell Wilson are very close. I mean, it's just kind of, I like Russell Wilson's rushing ability a little bit more. He's, more experienced at the quarterback position and uh they I don't know I just there's a new coach in uh in Dallas so that kind of Dallas scared. oh wait no never mind <laughs> yeah okay I was confused no I, I mean I just think the numbers don't lie and Prescott mm-hmm. last year had the better numbers it's, so. it's gonna be close so I think that Russell Wilson definitely go ahead and pick him up especially if you want to go early on quarterback but you're not willing to give up pick super early on Mahomes or Jackson, definitely go ahead and grab Russell Wilson. But yeah, I think we both agree that Prescott and Wilson are four quarterbacks a little bit underrated. But if quarterbacks are going early, don't reach on them. Like those guys, Prescott's my first pick in the seventh round and Wilson's my second. So just pick them up in the seventh round and then you'll be fine. And then, um, because that way you'll have the chance to fill out your three running back, your two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, and a flex. Then you've got your quarterback. That's why besides Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, you should not draft a quarterback before the seventh round because except for those generational game changer talents, you don't need a guy. You you need to fill out all your other positions first, basically, or Mm -hmm. maybe not fill out tight end. If you choose to wait on tight end, that's fine with me too. But yeah. Um, We'll, we'll go to running back and then wide receiver before we get to our big question, which involves tight ends. And our first running back here is Chris Carson and his backup, Carlos Hyde. Not much to talk about there because he mainly just, he'll get a few touches as a backup. But I don't think Chris Carson's been able to hold on to the backfield for a while. So Carlos Hyde will stay as a handcuff. I have him at RB 53. And then Chris Carson himself was very consistent last year. RB 12 in fantasy points and half PPR. I have him at running back 16 because there's a lot of guys at the top who I really like, but he's sort of in his, in the back of that uh, third tier of running backs, maybe with guys like, or maybe the fourth tier with guys like, um, or actually he's honestly in his own tier. Cause there's guys like Leonard Fournette ahead of him who have injury risk and are pretty boomer bust next year. And a guy, be, the guy right behind him, Todd Gurley at number 17, I'd say he's a, just a mystery in terms of his injury. So I have Carson at 16 and, uh, Chris, I think you would agree about Carson in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
Looks like you have him at 13, so you actually like him even more than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like Carson because he, he is, he's really consistent. I mean, his only issue has been fumbles, so if that's the main thing that he focused on in the offseason and he can really get those down, that'll have Pete Carroll leaving him on the field, which is really important because when yeah. he's on the field, he's great. Yep, he just needs to get on the field and he'll produce. Mm-hmm. All right, Rashad Penny should go undrafted. He's just – he got hurt last year. He's never yeah. proven he can get any touches. And with Carlos Hyde, he's not going to do anything. He'll go mm-hmm. undrafted in leagues. Yeah, don't, don't, don't draft Rashad Penny. Yeah, exactly. So we'll go to wide receiver. And the two guys there for wide receiver are Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who are both deep threats, both very boomer bust week to week. But overall, they can put up some fantasy points. I think most people like Lockett more than Metcalf, including myself. I have Lockett at 21 and Metcalf actually at 22. That proves how close these guys are, and it's mm-hmm. going to depend yeah. on the week. Some weeks it'll be Metcalf who is breaking out. Some weeks it'll be Lockett. Some weeks maybe neither of them do, and some weeks it's both. They're very inconsistent guys, but still guys who can produce back-end to mid-tier wide receiver for two production. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I love DK Metcalf last year. I'm not that high on Tyler Lockett, though I do think he's still the number one in Seattle, so I have him a little bit high, a little bit uh, higher than Metcalf. I have Lockett at number 19 and Metcalf at number 22. So in general, I think I have both the Seattle receivers a little bit lower just because I think that it's tough to have two guys that can really be a wide receiver in one, except I think the only example that really in the league of that is uh, – Mike uh, Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And that was uh, but, partly because of Jameis Winston mm-hmm. as a, being there as a passer, but I think they can still both be wide receiver ones. with. Yeah, just because they are so talented. I mean, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, they're really good. They're nowhere near as talented as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah. So we'll go to the other guys in the passing game, the tight ends. And there's three guys. There's going to be a three-headed monster at tight end, and only uh-huh. one of them I think should be drafted, and just barely two. Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister. All there in Seattle. And the question is, the big question, is who will be the best tight end in Seattle and how well will they do? My answer, Will Disley, tight end 24. Only because Will Disley Mm -hmm. has the potential to be tight end one. Yes, I know. That's the crazy part. You can grab someone with at tight end. I have him at tight end 23. Someone that's basically going undrafted in every league. You can get him with your last pick. He has the potential. Last Last year, after like the first few weeks, or actually not even the first few, like the first half of the season, he was like the number one tight end. So he has that potential. I mean, it is totally worth a flyer. It's unlikely that it's going to turn out, but he has such a huge amount of potential. And I just don't like Greg Olson, and I think that Jacob Hollister is going to get the short end of the stick and end up as the third tight end there. Yeah, if you don't know what to do with the tight end spot and you just want a flyer who has a ton of potential, he probably won't do anything, but he might. Like, that's the best part about him. Like, I'm just Mm -hmm. going to look up his stats, but I think – it, it, he's just it's it's crazy what he that has the potential to do and yeah. i don't think greg olson's gonna do much i mean he's uh, injury he has injury risk jacob hollister won't do much as long as disley and olson are there but like will disley has absolutely huge 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 potential i think from let me see here from weeks one through six which is i ba- basically when he was healthy i believe tight end five tight end five let that sink in will disley I mean, he's got, that's the only reason he's lower is because he's got all that competition over there. So, like we said, he's got the potential to be a top five tight end. He's done it before, and he's the guy who should be drafted, but only barely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think if I had to rank, I would go Olsen at two and Hollister mm-hmm. at three over there. Yep. But we'll go to the Arizona Cardinals, and 
we'll save running back for later because that has to do with our big question. But the general info about this team is they run their air raid offense with Cliff Kingsbury. Mm -hmm. They'll have a lot of more throws now with DeAndre Hopkins over there. Um, And they just really like to stretch the field with a lot of four wide receiver sets. I think they had the most of those in the league last year. So we'll see a lot of guys on the field, not necessarily many wide receivers making a difference. In fact, but like Christian Kirk was even barely there last year and he was the main difference maker at wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins will change that. But yeah. for now, I think uh, it's just, it's a very solid offense for fantasy though. And some people might say that with the addition of Kenyon Drake, that the, the Cardinals are going to change their offense, but no, people forget that they got DeAndre Hopkins. He's yeah, exactly. that and offense they- around for a while. And now they finally have a guy that they can actually run in that offense and who can do well in that type of offense. So I think it's really good for the entire Cardinals team. He's going to do really nice next season. I love that, those Cardinals receivers. Yeah, I think Christian Kirk, who's the wide receiver two there now, probably a borderline top 50 guy with some maybe some occasional deep potential. But he didn't really – he showed a few flashes last year, but I wasn't really that excited about him. He, uh-huh. He's actually tight end – or wide receiver 46 for me. And but we'll talk about uh, the other. We'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins first. I guess we don't really need to talk about him. He's wide receiver wide receiver three for me behind Tyreek Hill, who's actually underrated in half PPR just because he doesn't get the most targets. He makes up for it in, with yards and touchdowns. Yeah, though. I like DeAndre Hopkins a little bit more because I think that he's in an air raid offense now, which is going to help him significantly. I think that he is just as good of a quarterback in Kyler Murray, except now he's going to be used a lot more. And I felt like last year was kind of an off year for him. DeAndre Hopkins is so talented. I haven't met my number as my number two. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Deshaun Watson's more and talented Kyler than Kyler Murray. Also, but Kyler Murray was so good last year, and that was without a, a wide receiver one, well, really. Yeah, he was more good in the rushing game than the passing game. This but will still, help he was still Murray really good. He was very accurate last year. I mean, for a rookie quarterback who was so good at running, he was really accurate. And sure. now when you yeah. add a wide receiver one, oh my goodness, that's going to be a deadly combo in my opinion. Yeah, and Kyler Murray himself is a borderline top five guy for me. I mean, he's ahead of Deshaun Watson because Watson just lost his best receiver. It's very close, though. We've talked about how he's in that tier. He's close with Watson, but he's a top five guy. But he might be going a little overrated just because quarterbacks are overrated in general in fantasy drafts. And then the other the other thing is that Kyler is predicted to be like this year's Lamar Jackson, and people don't want to sleep on him, so they might overcompensate. Yeah. I agree. So, all right. Yeah. So look, Chris was pretty faint there. I wonder where he went. Chris is on the other side of his room. Oh, I accidentally just pointed my head down. That's why it was probably very faint. All right. So are you pointing your head up now? My head trained at my mic. Still faint. What? I don't know. Maybe the adjusted volume thing on our Zoom meeting no, is. On. I'm talking straight into my mic, so. Okay, we'll see. I think I think it sometimes does that, but it's getting a little louder. So we'll move on to our big question, which is about Kenyon Drake, and he's got guys behind him, Chase Edmonds and Eno Benjamin, who I don't think will make that much difference, especially at least in like this year. And Kenyon Drake was like RB4, I believe, in the second half of the year last year. I think he, and the question is, will he continue his elite production from that half last year? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say yes. And here's why I'm saying no. He was in good at the end of last year but we haven't seen him do that consistently I mean obviously he was in an Adam Gase offense but then he was with Brian Flores and he still continued to struggle I mean we saw random guys like Patrick Laird and Mark Walton do just as good as Kenyon Drake had been doing that season so that scares me a little bit well, now you no, see because... an, an air raid offense where they have added DeAndre Hopkins 
they're going to continue to give Kyler Murray more and more work. I just see, I just see that it's not going to continue. And then you have guys like Chase Edmonds. People forget how good Chase Edmonds was in a stretch. They drafted Eno Benjamin. I think that there's just not. I, I as this the off season has gone on, I've been been off of Kenyon Drake a little bit. I've dropped him to my number eleven RB. I have him at RB seven, and I think he's going to continue his production because. Chase Edmonds, he had, like, one good game last year. He was pretty inefficient. Eno no, Benjamin, he had multiple good games. Well, maybe, like, two good games, but he was pretty inefficient for the most part. Eno Benjamin, though, he's not going to – he was a seventh-round pick. He shouldn't have dropped that far, but he's not going to make a ton of difference in his rookie year either way. Drake has proven he can do it. Yes, he's behind a solid offensive line, but he was getting a ton of yards per carry. And think about it this way. He's not immune to the, the – Dolphins' offense was so bad. Nobody could function in there. Le'Veon Bell can't function in the Jets' offense because it's so bad. Well, so but not, then you – what about last year with Brian Flores? It's not really – yeah, I know. He was with Brian Flores for half the season, but that's a bad offense. We saw guys like Patrick Laird, Mark Walton, Kalen Balaj do even worse, get like two yards per carry some games. Like they were even worse than Drake. And then Drake got traded, and he's in a better situation. I just feel he, like I'm still saying he's regressing from RB4, but – RB7 is not that much of a stretch for me. I just don't think it's going to happen. I feel like Kyler Murray is going to take away from his runs because he's a running quarterback. They now add a wide receiver one in DeAndre Hopkins who's totally going to fuel that air raid. and It's just going to come on even stronger. And, yeah, I just feel like he doesn't have a ton of value in the passing game. I mean, he's kind of maybe average to below average, in my opinion, in the passing game. So in half QPR, that drops him even more. I just don't think that – I think that he's going to continue very good production, but not elite. I think he'll be elite, but we can agree to disagree. So let's go to the LA Rams, and we'll skip the backfield right now because that's a our big question. This is our last preview. So we'll start with quarterback, and Jared Goff we already sort of discussed, but I think he's QB 24 for me. At the back end of your draft, maybe you can grab him, but he just wilted under pressure last year. The defense has found out that the way to beat Jared Goff is just to blitz him, so they solved Sean McVay's schemes on him. And even with those weapons, he couldn't do anything at all. So I don't expect much from golf this year at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that I don't, I'm not expecting much either. That's why I haven't met 22. I just don't think much of gonna, is going to come of him. He's just a late round flyer that you can just throw in maybe on your team. If you don't really, if you're not into drafting a backup quarterback and you just want to stream that sort of backup quarterback spot, he's just the guy that you grab. There's very little potential here. Yeah, I mean, but his wide receivers have potential because yeah, I know. Even with, golf, even with golf playing badly, his wide receivers still put up numbers. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup was huge last year. I think maybe even like somewhere around like wide receiver four or something. I'm not exactly sure. But Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are both great guys. I've got Cooper Cup at number 12 and Robert Woods at number 15 this year for fantasy. Um, yeah. Cup is sort of a borderline wide receiver one with a lot of injury risk. And he sort of got rid out, written out of the offense a little more at the end of the last year when they were throwing to Tyler Higby. Robert Woods was not written out of the offense ever. Super consistent and uh, very underrated next year. So I like both of those guys. Cup is a borderline wide receiver one to wide receiver two and Woods as a solid wide receiver two. Yeah, uh, I like I like Woods as more of a back end wide receiver two and a Cup as a back end to back as a borderline wide receiver one. I'd say just a little bit below that spot. Just barely not a wide receiver one for me. I have him at number 14, and then Robert Woods at number 24. I just think that even though Jared Goff isn't that good, they're still so talented, and Cooper Cup catches so many touchdowns that he's able to stay fantasy relevant. I just don't trust Robert Woods because I feel like Cooper Cup is going to steal the show, and with a quarterback that's not insane like like a Jared Goff, I just don't think that he's going to be able to get the workload that 
I mean, not, I think that he might be able to get the workload, but I just don't think that the quarterback play is going to be there. But I do I, – I think I, I'm still very comfortable with someone – with taking Robert Woods. I still like him. Yeah, I just – I like him a little more because I think since he's proven it and he can continue to put up those mm-hmm. numbers. And he was never yeah. really written out of the offense. His floor is safe. A guy mm-hmm. that's very interesting next year is Tyler Higby. I have Higby at tight end six just behind Zach Ertz because I think Zach Ertz is a little overrated. But, yeah, I think Tyler Higby – if he can put up the numbers he was putting up last year, he could even be – he could slip into the top five range. But I think he'll decline a little bit as Cooper Cup comes back into the offense a little. So that's why I have him at tight end six. He'll keep the role over Jared Everett, Gerald Everett, but he's a tough player to rank. I would put him around a mid-tier yeah. tight end one. It's The thing with him is it's just too small of a sample size for me. I think that he does have that potential, so that's why I put him in at, at number 10. But guys like Jared Cook, Hunter Henry, I mean, those are guys – or Jared Cook and Hunter Henry and even – I mean – even Mike Kosicki, sometimes I consider putting him ahead of him. They're just guys that I trust a little bit more, to, and I know what I'm getting from them. It's just Higby is too much of a risk for me to put him high. I mean, I have him at number nine, so I guess you could say that's pretty high. It's relatively maybe around average where most people would have him, but I just don't think that that the sample size is large enough for me to consider him putting him too high. It's fair, and it's an opinion a lot of people have, but just – I think guys behind him, like Evan mm-hmm. Ingram, who has a ton of injury risk. Hunter Henry has a lot of injury risk, too, and he was just moderately consistent before. And then, like, Jared Cook, I just think, is a little too touchdown-dependent, which we said isn't too bad of a thing. But, like, for me, I just – I'm not really sure about Jared Cook next year in terms of – I mean, he just doesn't get a ton of targets either. So, And you still do need targets to be somewhat relevant. Higby's mm-hmm. a tough player to rank, but – I think we can move on to our big question now, which is what will the backfield, and Chris, we'll start with you, what will the backfield look like this year in L.A. with the Rams? It's going to be a three-headed monster, and I think that Cam Akers is going to lead it, and his potential as a rookie running back leaves him just outside as an RB2. I mean, I'm considering dropping Cam Akers just because I feel like he's in a three-headed monster and as a rookie RB, there's just not – there's a very slim pathway for him to be RB2 and beyond, so I don't really like that too much. But I think that if he's talented, he can be good. It's just at the moment, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown are kind of inching in on him. And it's really bothering me because I feel like Cam Akers has so much potential. It's just the Rams are stuck on this idea that Daryl Henderson can, can do something, which he obviously can't. I mean, he showed that. His yard per carry were absolutely atrocious in like the two games that he actually got a a good amount of carries. I mean, it was really bad. Malcolm Brown is only really a goal line threat, but it annoys me because Malcolm Brown is a goal line threat. So that might take away from Cam Akers' ability to get in the red zone. Just a backfield that, in general, I'm staying away from. Yeah, I mean, Cam Akers, I have at RB33. I bumped him down a little bit, but I just think, I don't know if he's going to be able to completely take over, even though he's the most talented guy. I think Malcolm Brown could actually, while he, I think he should go undrafted, could take over from Daryl Henderson just because Henderson is so bad. I have Henderson was, had 3.8 yards per carry last year. Just awful. Barely better than David Montgomery. So I I'm, can't trust him. I don't think he, I think he's sort of a bust for this coming year. And so I'm just going to say Cam Akers is going to be the lead guy. Uh, Henderson is around the 48 range. Uh, Akers is 33 and Brown is just barely or not just barely undrafted undrafted by a little bit, just because I don't have 60 RBs going drafted. He's around RB like 62 for me or maybe 63. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's right there. With, he's, he's, I, wait, do I have him in? Let me see. I don't know. 
Are you going to put him in? Or Henderson? No. You mean? I have Henderson in, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, yeah, I have I Henderson mean, at number 49, but I don't have Malcolm Brown in. Okay. Well, that's about it. Time wow. for the quote unquote credits. It's not really credits. <laughs> yeah. But um, we, we need like to do to- like a. We need to. Not a sponsor, but yes. Uh, wait, why would Fox be sponsoring us? <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll go to the credits. And um, the credits, it feels so weird to say. We're going to call it the credits. That's going to be one of our inside jokes on the show. That Because it's not really credits. It's just telling us where you can find us. So we'll start out. You can follow our podcast on Twitter for um, updates about the podcast. You can follow us at SGFpod. Follow our uh, separate Twitter accounts, Chris and I. You can follow me at Calvin underscore SGF. Chris is at Chris underscore SGF. And uh, you can also email us with questions for our show at secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com. They will be considered for a listener mailbag. We'll in all likelihood read them. Make sure to keep downloading and listening the mm-hmm. pod- to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, make sure to leave us a review. We'll probably read that on the show as well. Um, yeah, keep doing that. Keep downloading. And uh, also, if you want to check out our live sports talk shows, Chris and I have live sports talk shows. We update that about three times a week each or when three streams. Um, you can go to sportscastr.com slash SG Sports Talk or download the Sportscaster app the way I spelled it and uh, follow us at SG Sports Talk. We put out streams, solo streams, duo streams, trivia, sports talk shows, play-by-play, all sorts of things. And you can follow yeah. us on Twitter, our live show on Twitter for updates at SG Sports Talk. If you have questions for our live show, you can email us at secondandgoalsportstalk at gmail.com. Um, also... Mm-hmm. I think, oh, yeah, make sure to check out our articles on TechMohole. Uh, Chris and I are interning at Sportscaster and writing for a site called TechMohole. So T-E-C-M-O-H-O-L-E dot com. That's where TechMohole is at, www.tecmohole dot com. Slash author slash Calvin K is where my pages, where my articles are. And you can find Chris's at www.techmohole.com slash author slash Christopher. You can find our articles on that site. And so... Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Is that it? It felt a little shorter than usual. No, it felt pretty long to me. I mean, maybe you saying it, you, you get some adrenaline saying all of that. But uh, to me, it sounded pretty long. We've got a lot of things to tell you guys. Just make sure to do everything. I mean, if you guys enjoy the podcast, one of our big goals is to get other people to enjoy it. Not just because we want to get, I mean, we want we want to, like, get some people. I mean, we want to get some downloads, but it's cool. But it's also fun to, like, know that people are listening to your advice and that you're able to share what you've learned over the years of playing fantasy football to other people. So it's really it's really good for us if you guys can share it, if you review it, if you like it, any of that. It's all super helpful, so please do. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Yeah, I mean, it's weird at the start of the podcast when, like, nobody's listening back in episode one, and it's like, well well, what's the point of it? I mean, it's fun. That's what the Uh point of it is. And then when we start to get people listening, then they hear our advice and then they're like, I mean, we've gotten some very positive feedback when we've been able to get people to listen. It seems the vast majority have liked it. So we must be doing something right. So just keep listening, guys. Episode 25, we want to thank you all for helping us get here. It's been a fun ride. Yeah. And we are at episode 25. Anyone that's been here, anyone that's been here since day one, I mean, I don't know if there are many of them, but you can, you guys can claim that you are part of the quarter century club for 
for the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. Yes. Okay. Email us. Reach out at secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com. Tell us how long you've been listening. You can basically tell us anything. Yeah, if you, if you want to lie and make yourself – try not to lie, but uh, even if you say that you've been listening today since day one, we'll probably mention you on the podcast as part of the Quarter Century Club. But uh, Maybe listen for... – or go ahead, sorry. Or you could just listen to all 25 weeks of the podcast right now. I mean, you yeah, just go back and not? listen to all of them. And then you can say, if you've listened to all 25 episodes, you can be part of the Quarter Century Club. Yeah, I mean, we've sort of got – this is with the, like a fantasy football marathon, like the one they have on mm-hmm. ESPN. I mean, just – if reach out, maybe tell us your experiences listening to the podcast. If you think we should improve anything, we can try to improve stuff and uh, we'd be happy to seek advice and uh, to, if definitely reach out if you like it. If you hate it, you can reach out too and uh, we'll listen and we'll see why you hated it. And uh, if you give some good advice, then we'll follow it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the quarter century club. Chris and I are the first two members. Yeah. This is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've hopefully there, hopefully the there are more members. I don't know if there are. I mean, it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive if anyone has listened to all 25 episodes. Yeah, I, know, I, I definitely know. haven't listened to all 25 episodes all the way through. So <laughs> exactly. Even I haven't listened to all 25 episodes. So we, we can't even be part of our own club. Yeah. Well, we, we listened to the, the episodes by actually making them. So I guess we, we can be in it. I yeah, think that we it. should be. We own the club. We're like the kings because we actually like <laughs> listen to it. Yes. Like we, because we did it in real time. Yeah, we're the kings. I like that. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the guests that we've had on. I mean, we had our friend Will on the show. We had Austin. Austin uh, from Don't Worry About It. He hosts a podcast called Don't Worry About It. We had him on the show. If you want to see all our guests, like, oh, that's what we forgot. To see rankings and articles, go to sites.google.com slash view slash second and fantasy. You can also, that's what, we also have our list of our past guests. So you can find Austin's yeah. channel. We had Christopher Harris on. You guys yeah, we had, that's a really fun episode. He gave some good advice. Yeah, Christi- not the sound quality, not the greatest, but Christopher Harris was on the show from Harris Fantasy Football. We also mm-hmm. had Luke Brown from Luke Brown Sports Talk on the show. Yeah. So you should go look at all of those. And I think we had one. Oh, yes, of course. Touchdown Kirk, our very own writer, was on one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. so- been fun oh, wait, we thank wait. all those people that have come on and listened wait chris you can't be part of the quarter century club i just realized because you weren't on the episode with touchdown kirk and you didn't listen to it all the way through no wait you're out of the quarter century no. club <laughs> no now i have to listen through episode one. Oh no well oh, no God. you have to just listen to the touchdown kirk one it's 35 minutes so it's fine yeah oh, wait, this was gonna be kind of fun calvin sometime when we can we both got to get on a call and just listen to the first episode together that would be so fun the so first like, episode's the first, sound quality was like so the, bad. Actually, actually, we should listen to the, the first one and the second one because that's when the first one was when it was just you and uh, Touchdown Kirk, and then the second one will be with, be with me. That'll be fun. Well, no, I mean, well, for the actual – oh, the practice episodes. Yeah, no, the oh first my, episode the sound quality – The first episode's sound quality – Chris, you were on the first episode. That was the first practice episode that was just Touchdown Kirk and I. Because Touchdown Kirk and I had basically started this – as a practice and then like Chris came in like a few days later uh-huh. so he was basically in it from the beginning and then yeah. we we basically oh yeah we'll give you guys a peek behind the curtain the first episode Chris didn't have a mic and so he was so faint and the sound quality was so yeah, we, bad no, we were so here's what we were doing we were taking we've come oh, so no 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 that this is we something take, different though this we was the holding, first actual episode that oh, we the published first actual episode but yeah, yeah you, you can describe this is what we did for our practice episodes Chris go ahead so Calvin would have the iPod that was recording it all. He'd be on voice memos on the app, right? Yeah. And he was recording it. And then he took his phone 
So he was talking into the voice memos and into the call, and the audio from the call was going out of the call audio and onto voice memos. So it was. And then I played the intro out of my, out of the computer. Yeah, and then he'd grab his computer to play the intro. So he'd play the, the computer intro, and to make it fade out, he'd press the volume down as it was playing. I mean, it was it was very elaborate, but we yes. got it done. Yeah, no, I made it fade out too. Sometimes that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and then Chris's audio was always so like, it, it, you could barely hear it because it was like recording in voice memos. And then when the podcast got too long, we always sent it to our little group chat for the fantasy league. Mm-hmm. So when the podcast got too long, we had to split it into two parts. Yeah. Oh, yes. Those were the days. Now we've got our mics, and uh, we got our, I, I got a new computer, not just for the podcast. I mean, my mom yeah, got a new computer. we're on all platforms, pretty much. Yeah, we're on all, plat- all major podcast platforms. Got this new computer that's even better for recording, so the glitch noises are almost not even present. It's only when I'm, like, trying to edit something on the site mm-hmm. that they're present. I but, mean, guys, we started the podcast pre-COVID. It seems so long ago. <laughs> yeah, March 3rd. Wait, yeah, that was well. It wasn't pre pre. I remember. I still remember. I was over. I was. I was with Calvin, and we were making the podcast intro together. Crazy to think about. Yeah. No. I think. Wait. Oh, I remember. On episode two, remember the echoey episode? In oh, episode my. two, we had echo because Chris and I were. That was the one episode where we actually recorded from the same house, and we mm-hmm. couldn't figure out how to put in multiple mics into the same computer, so it wasn't really working. So then we recorded from separate computers, had a lot of echo, and recorded on Zoom. Still, that mm-hmm. was March eighth. So right before, like probably that that was like a week before everything was getting yeah. shut down, and mm-hmm. on March eighth, we recorded that at my house. And uh, that was, yeah, it was an interesting episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're now at the quarter century market. I'm the only person in the quarter century club. Yes. Well, we don't know that. We could have some dedicated listeners. Well, yeah, I'm the only podcast host in the quarter century club. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. No, but you know, the, the thing is, though, that nobody's hearing this. Nobody ever listens to the end of our show. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they saw. Maybe they listened. They started listening to the credits, and they saw that there's like five or ten more minutes left of the podcast. So they came and listened. If you guys made it all this way, you're the you're the real quarter century club. You guys, yeah, no, you're the, the real century. dedicated listeners. I mean, what you can do though, we always give this advice at the end of the episode, or not always, but you can split the episode up into multiple parts, and then hear it, hear one part. One time, another part, another time. You got two podcasts for that week. And then you can hear the end and, like, be part of our dedicated listener fan page. Mm-hmm. So reach yeah. out if you want anything. If you want a listener league, reach out. If we get enough support for that, we'll start a listener league. If you want to que- ask a question. Like, on other places, you literally have to pay to ask questions. We'll answer yours for free. And we're mm-hmm. smarter than everyone else. Yeah. So thanks everyone for listening and this is finally done a very long episode today but this is finally done thanks everyone for listening i had a great time and we'll see you next time